Welcome to the Simplified Marketing Podcast. Straight talking ideas to grow your business. Hello and welcome to today's podcast of Simplified Marketing. Please subscribe to our podcast and visit our website at simplifiedmarketing.co.uk. If you like what you hear today and find this helpful, please feel free to share this podcast and leave us a review. I'm Georgia. I'm your design and brand guardian. I'm John Lawley. I'm your web wizard. And I'm Andrew Black and I help trades get off the tools. So this week, the guys have been out and about and they have been speaking to Mandy, who's an interior designer from M&Y Interiors. So guys, you want to give us a little overview of um, what you picked up from Mandy? Yeah, do you know what? It's really interesting, um, especially from my perspective, previously being a sort of end trade. Um, Mandy's an interior designer is pretty much like a main contractor, almost like a builder in some ways. You know, she really works with the end user to, to create a, a home, not just a house. That's what kind of came across for me. <laughs> and I suppose from, from a more design perspective, um, there's, there's quite an interesting conversation about, you know, how, how, does, how does form function work together, colours, colour palettes, that kind of thing, which I think is, is often overlooked, but it's actually a big skill being able to put that together. Hmm. Okay. Anything else you picked up from Mandy that you could see as a key factor for how it might help our trades, boys? Yeah, massive. I mean, Mandy goes into it into quite some detail and gets quite passionate about it, but okay. uh, I think the word communication came up several times. Yeah, that's massive in on the brand point as well. I know recently I've been um, recommending a number of trades um, guys to my family members and uh, everyone raves about their service, but they've been chasing the trades boys for weeks and weeks just for quotes and they've ended up losing out on jobs just because I didn't get back to my family members that were pretty much ready to give them the money. Um, so yeah, communication is pretty massive. So let's um, let's crack through and see how the boys got on with Mandy. Mandy, thanks a lot for having us here today. Pleasure. Um, beautiful location, by the way. How long have you guys been here? Five years. And what was it like uh, moving from your previous premises to this one? Um, it- Questions in the mind or would our clients, especially our London-based clients, be happy to come out here for a meeting? Turns out they put the wellies in the back of the car and they're good to go. <laughs> it was a little bit off-road on the way down. It was a little bit off-road and actually that was where we used to live. Okay. So we had our office and our house in the same vicinity, which we don't anymore. But I always wanted to work in a cow barn. It was Without the cows. It, without the cows. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and these are 17th century Calvin conversions. So they uh, they fit the bill. The space is absolutely beautiful. Do you think that has a difference to you in terms of being a designer or the design team? Definitely. Definitely inspirational. If I was working in a um, warehouse unit, um, I don't think I'd feel the same way. And also taking my dogs out for a walk at lunchtime, giving me time to like think and process, coming back from work, design, coming back from... Uh, um, a walk and then getting on with designing because your head. We saw the dogs on the way in and having the dogs at the at the property. Is it very? Does that add to the kind of family feel that you guys are trying to build here? That you it does. Here? It does. First of all, I you know don't believe you should have dogs to leave them at home all day, but yeah, that's my thing. And secondly, yeah, even though they're annoying sometimes um, and barky, they um, they they give me a you know, a sense of, of the kind of atmosphere that we like to work in. I love the idea as well, you were saying how you can, you're out in the countryside and you can go out and think and walk. And from a mindset point of view, as a business owner, with all the stresses that are upon you. Yes. I imagine that's something that is quite a nice relief. It is. It is. It's especially in the summer, you know, when the sun's shining, 
Uh, it's it's just blissful. It really is. Plenty of vitamin D. Absolutely, absolutely. So, um, I mean, just tell us a little bit about about your business for those that maybe don't know your, your journey and the type of clients that you work with. But, but nearly thirty one years in, um, which I can't believe myself really. Uh, started off back somebody's, you know, my partner's back bedroom. We were in business together for 22 years. After about 15 years, Nigel joined us. We brought a man into the mix. We thought it gave us credibility, which it did. We thought it it gave us um, options to work on building projects, which it did. And it just um, gave us more gravitas. Um, she left after 22 years to pursue other things. And that's when we sort of really drove it forward. Um, it's it's an up and down business. It's most definitely um, either masses and masses of work or not. Yeah. Um, but it's never, it's always interesting. So not so much seasonal, but just. It is very seasonal. Right. Uh, you tend to find people who are spending time at home over the summer will call you September the 1st when the kids go back to school to say, actually, I've been looking at my home, it's disgusting and we need to do it. Uh, over Christmas is the same. Beginning of January, we always get a lot of calls. Um, so it is pretty seasonal. And also we're governed by the builders and what times of the year they're working. So builders probably sort of are keyed into work in sort of March onwards when the better weather comes and that that impacts the work that we do. Okay, so you can find um, a lot of time. Where is the crossover with yourself as an interior designer and some of those building works? Because I think maybe the consensus is you guys are just design stuff. It's very kind of exterior, but doesn't always seem to be the case the more conversations we have. Yeah, I mean, Nigel, who's my husband and my partner, he's responsible for the building side and the project management side. So he's the one who is dealing with all those aspects before I get involved. But obviously there's a lot of overlap and it means that he, um, I'm working a lot with him to get everything ready for him. So he will tell me when he needs the tiles, when he needs the kitchen, when he needs the bathrooms, and I will make sure it's all there. That's quite unique in many ways because I think a lot of clients that maybe have building works don't really think about the finish. No. That's a very good point, yeah. No, I mean, I had a client yesterday who came in who they're building a property but got to the stage where they need to decide on all the finishes, the kitchens, the bathrooms, the flooring, the doors, the coding, the skirting, the architraving, you know, every single hard the hard choices before we get to the furniture and and they just sat there and they said we don't know where to start you need to help us so that's how i get involved with these projects and then go on to supply the furniture afterwards and is that your favorite type of project working on something like that from start to finish yeah 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 because i think you really get you really get a feel for what the client's looking for one of the biggest aspects of our job is to get inside the client's head to see what they really, really like and what they want. And sometimes they don't know. And you have to really find it out through careful chatting. Some clients will never know what they want because they just... And these are the recurring clients that come back. You absolutely. Know, yeah. <laughs> and they just simply don't know because they haven't ever been in the situation where they have to choose. Mm. 
you know, do you like that fabric or that fabric? Do you like that door or that door? Um, How do you get them to make that decision then? Because, I, I mean, from personal experience, I know that it's, oh, I quite like that and I quite like this. But obviously the eye that you have, being able to pick out shades of colours which are going to work together very well, you might not like that particular colour by itself, for example. Is that... It's just one of the one of the uh, advantages of this type of the design room is that we have samples of kitchen, samples of towels, samples of bathroom, you know, all. So I can overlay them onto the client and say this floor with this tile, with this bathroom, with this, and then they go, ah, yes. I think for yes. a lot of people that's so undervalued because I've worked with a number of builders over the years, and they'll often take it to the to the point of plastered or a sort of whitewash finish but after that the clients pretty much on their own yeah yeah it's left with a house and not a home effectively yes yes and this is um a lot of people don't understand that when you're doing the palette for a house the kitchen is the first place to start because it's the biggest item in the house so once you get the kitchen um colors correct and the flooring correct, and you decide where your flooring is going to go in your downstairs, then you can start to build on the rest of the house and you can start working on doors. What a lot of people do is they overwood their houses. So they'll go for a wooden floor and wooden doors and a wooden kitchen, and then they can't understand why it's not very warm. Um, <laughs> I, I've seen those houses. Yes. You say, yeah. Yeah. It's just over because they think that's what you're supposed to do. Right. And I had a client who came in yesterday who said the same thing. We're going to put wood and we're going to put wood. And I went, ah, 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 hang on. Let's look at porcelain. Let's even look at wood that looks, that porcelain that looks like wood, but it's not wood. And start thinking of other options. And that, and we have had occasions where we've, Painted over the wood in kitchens and doors and everything, mm. just to dull down the whole colour palette to make it more uh, less heavy and oppressive. With Nigel being on the building side, um, I'm sure being part of that world, he generates a lot of referrals as well. But for you, where do your best clients come from? Other clients. Yeah. Uh, the best jobs I can get are when you walk into one of my clients' homes and. Uh, the client will say, I've had this great interior designer. Some clients don't uh, always own up to using me and can try and pass, oh, see, it, off. pass it off as their own. Oh, wrong. yes. I don't know. <laughs> we can't have that <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, there's no name. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yes, it's it. there's definitely a case of um, existing clients. I also get referrals from architects. Mm. Uh, I've had referrals from building companies um, and from just people that I know that know what I do. With and the builders, sorry, is that a difficult bridge to gap in terms of, look, it's, it's obvious you guys do this bit and we'll come in and, and finish it. Is that quite difficult to bridge it from what is maybe typical trades like people versus yes. property professionals? Yes, yes. And what we're not, I don't think, between you and me, I don't think we're very liked in the building trade. <laughs> interior designers or you specifically? No, interior designers. <laughs> interior designers, because they feel that they're that we're going to come in and change everything. Right. right. Which we inevitably do, uh, or sometimes do. Is that just because they haven't done it right then? Is that? Yes. Right. Or yeah. have a side with the end in mind, yes. essentially. Yes. Right. They're more the brute force, your finesse. Yes. So we're doing a project at the moment where we're doing a curved hallway that goes from the front to the back of the house, like a snake, 
and it's incredible. It's such a feature of the house. I'm sure they're going to be swearing when they have to do it, <laughs> and the, and and the curves and the and the, the, the final finish is not going to be easy. Right. But it's going to make that house. So the client agreed to go with it. They now want to put a fish tank in the curve in the hall, which is going to absolutely screw it up even more. Glass then with the yeah. to go with the wall. Wow. Yeah, yeah. And the fish Let's as well. Yeah, yeah, perfect. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so we mentioned a number of trades that you probably use and you get referrals from. Uh, I'm going to put you on the, on the hot seat if you like here. Okay. Who are the worst trades people to work with? Um, is there any similarities in certain trades of the way they work that just isn't in line with your processes maybe? I think the fact that I spend a good deal of my day chasing trades. Yeah. Are you coming in? If you're coming in, what time are you coming in? What are you doing when you come in? When are you leaving? When will you have finished? Will you finish when you say you're going to finish? Mm. There is a lot of that. And exactly. I don't think it makes me terribly popular, but it's, it, it can't be that trades turn up and half an hour later go off on another job because the client will immediately call me mm-hmm. and give me, you know, an earful on it. And quite rightly so, yeah. because it is so frustrating. All I want is for the trades to go in, do their job and leave, you know. That's a really interesting point because they, and, and there will be a lot of tradespeople who will probably watch, watch this particular episode. And because so I imagine that trades will want to work with interior designers, architects, yeah. such as yourselves, and you're a very good referral for them. So in, in kind of getting them, training them up to be able to work better for you, these are all things that they need to be factoring in. Yes. I think it, the going off the radar, that's the hardest thing. Mm. Um, we work a lot with RK, and he has, over the years, learned to work my way. He knows he's got to do drawings. Yeah. He knows he's got to do quotes within a certain time. He knows he's got to be on time. And on the day that he says he's going to be there, he's there. That's been an, that's evolved. And I'm not to say he didn't do it at the beginning. He had the potential. But, you know, I have a strict criteria because if they don't go on site that day, my client will phone me and complain. And then it's a reputation thing as far as sure. you're concerned. Yeah. And that's very, very hard to, to live with when you are troubleshooting day in and day out on other people's work. And often what I try and do is get one person in to do the main bulk of the building and, um, and electrical and plumbing or whatever, and then bring in the specialist people, the wardrobe people, the, the decorators. Because I've got better control over it. Yeah. Because then I've got one person to say, your guys haven't turned up today. Um, when Nigel is project managing a job, it's easier because he is he knows when everyone's coming in and he's very much got a handle on it. But if you're doing it just with a builder, you can come unstuck if you're not watching all the time. This also, I mean, you mentioned 31 years experience in getting your processes right and, and delivering your product perfectly. And you mentioned um, RK Carpentry, who I totally agree. I've kind of seen their journey from the outside and how they've developed and their, their, system, their own internal systems and processes and communication have improved hugely. Um, do you think 
as Kieran did in this occasion, do you see that happen with all trades? Do you see that happening with all businesses? Mm, no. <laughs> <laughs> and what do you think is stopping them maybe taking it to that next step or just... I just or? think for some people that are on the tools in particular, they just, they get, especially with BNI, they are inundated with work. It is very, very hard for them to keep a handle on all the paperwork. I mean, to give you an example, my business is probably 80% admin. That's 80% chasing on the phones, 80% yeah. chasing up estimates, um, and 20% of design work, you know, pure design work. And it's because it's a very labor-intensive industry. And if you think on an average job, which is a whole job, I'm probably working on three or 400 items of furniture fabric, um, other finishes that all need to be sourced, ordered and installed and held often for the client if the builder's late. So it's very labour intensive and you've got to make sure that you've got everything you need for that install um, time frame, which is probably three or four days worth where you're literally, it's like moving house, you're moving mm -hmm. everything into the client's property, you're making the beds, you're uh, putting the light, light bulbs in, you're doing everything to make sure it's perfect. So it's a total turnkey approach. Now, not everybody wants that because some people feel that they don't want to lose control of what they, uh, of that mark that they're putting on their home. Yeah. Um, but that's what we do. I suppose if you've done the briefing well enough or if you've built that relationship with the client themselves, they probably feel very much a part of that, that journey anyway. They do. They do. But we do have to ban clients um, for the last three or four days from actually coming in the house. Um, they are banned. <laughs> so you take the keys away from them. We do. We do. It's my house now. Because otherwise, if you see one chair or one table... It, yeah. You know, panic sets in, or it's not what I thought it was going to be. It has to be done. It has to be finished. Just see, the and then product. we take, and then we take them round. I expect tears. If I don't get tears, I get very, very disappointed. <laughs> so the DIY SOS reveal at the end. <laughs> yes. Like oh that. yes, yes. Sixty second makeover, <laughs> but it took 60, 60 years. <laughs> like, so know. if that's the end of the process for the customer, and um, when they start with you, what is the beginning of that process? How does that look for them? The beginning of the process is they come with the set plans normally, and they say, "This is what we want to do. We've had this past. We think we know the layout of the house, but if you can come up with any better solutions, which we often do, things like." They've got too big a utility room and actually if you made it smaller, you could have a little study there mm -hmm. as well. Or, um, you know, they, maybe they've done a too small downstairs toilet and, and if they made the coat cupboard smaller, then they could get a bit, you know, that kind of spatial planning that we do with them. Um, and, and then we start the process. So we start by drawing up all the rooms um, on our SketchUp system that we use and inputting all the furniture so that they can see where the dressing room's going to go, how big the bathroom, even though they've seen it on the plans, but the actual reality of putting yeah. in actual pieces of furniture so that they know that, yeah, yeah, we could actually get a walk-in closet there or we could get um, uh, more cupboards in the kitchen or we could 
you know, it's all that kind of thing. Then we look at all the pinch points, you know, have you got enough room to go around your island, pull out your chair without tripping over your sofa? Is that the Oh, yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's really valuable, though, because I think once you've um, either gone through this type of service with another designer or builder or bought a house, you kind of get six months or 12 months down the line and go, I wish that wasn't like that. That's really bothering me. Yes. So you're kind of trying to eliminate as much of those. You're trying to eliminate the issue so that you don't go out and spend thousands of pounds on a sofa that's actually, which a lot of our clients have done, Mm. and then you find out it's just too big for the space. It means you can't get the other piece of furniture in that you wanted to. 95% of our clients have huge um, kitchen breakfast dining spaces. That is what people want but it has to be managed well because there's no point if you do the layout and then you realize you can't fit the television in Mm. um and most of the clients are looking at big tvs oh big (laughs) bigger the house bigger the tv so you've got um, a design in-house design team yes Um, what's it been like um bringing new people into into your beliefs and your values um i've had one one of my designers has been with me 15 years, the other eight years, and the other is a is been with me a year. So I think that's a pretty good testament. Uh, yeah, absolutely. That the that length of time. The yeah. length of time and the amount of and the type of projects that they work on. I am responsible for all the new business, no pressure. <laughs> um, <laughs> keep keep uh, food in there. Absolutely. Food in the table, absolutely. So as a result, I, you know, that's very much where I come in. And I also like to work on most of the projects. Um, Some of them they do on their own or do together, but the vast majority want me included. So I may be at the meetings, but then all the work behind the scenes gets done by them with input from me. And then we, we tend to do meetings every two weeks. It takes two weeks to get in new quotes, new samples. So we, we, we put a whole load of meetings in the diary so they feel comfortable that that we're looking after them and then we work to each of those meetings um and prepare everything so every and we have minutes of every meeting so that they can clients and see them and that gives us our next working program with which to do for the next meeting all in those two week segments all in those two week segments and I'm quite quick to talk about budgets because, unfortunately, that is the only way that you're going to ascertain whether this client is is up for the um, the job. I would agree with that. I think that's a very interesting point. And, and especially in my own business, I use that as a marker. It's almost, um, you know, this this is the cost. I'm not going to waver on it. This is what it's going to be. And if we're all comfortable with that, brilliant, because we need to get onto the design and the fun stuff and the value yes. that comes from it. Yes. And we don't, we've, we've, we've covered the hurdle of cost first. It's out yes. of the way. Yes. And I think that is something that I always discuss. By the end of the second meeting, we have a budget allowed. So you said earlier that you're responsible for bringing in the sales here. Yeah. You mentioned uh, clients are a good source of referrals for that. And obviously we mentioned BNI a few times. Um, which, for those that don't know, is a networking organisation where we all actively try and refer to each other. Where else do you find that you get uh, referrals or inquiries from? Um, or what other type of marketing do you do? Yeah. When I ask everybody, and I always do, where did you hear about us? 
they will always say, I saw your van, my friend used you. Mm-hmm. And that's the kind of thing that we work with. We also advertise in house, um, which is a very big online platform for interior designers. And we've got some incredible jobs from there. Really wonderful. Um, a client that I got from house had a home in Trinidad and were coming over to live in Radlett. And after two meetings, gave us the keys and trusted us 100%, believed in us 100%, and came back to the most unbelievable finished product. It was all ready. That was my favourite. And what project would you most like to work on? I have a thing about hotels. I have been asking for hotels for years. I am working on a hotel at the moment in Waterloo. It's not quite the hotel I had in mind, but it's absolutely going to be gorgeous. Um, more of those would be lovely. Brilliant. And finally, the worst trades to work with. <laughs> On the Branding spots. experts yeah, and plumbers. Yeah. <laughs> Good answer. They are the Good worst. Answer. They are the worst. <laughs> I would have said plumbers or gas engineers, yeah. <laughs> yeah, having, having been one and worked with loads over the years. Do you know, I, it, it, it really depends on the person. When you get a good trade, like Stuart Gaylord, for example, yeah, you hang on to them for dear life because they make you happy. They go the extra mile. They might go in on a Saturday if needs be. They will go that extra mile for you and your client will turn around to you and go, what a lovely bloke that curtain fitter was. Yeah. What, a lovely, what a lovely company. That makes me happy. Brilliant. Mandy, thank you very much for your time today. Thank you. Okay, so thanks very much to Mandy, guys. You did an awesome job. So maybe we'll start with Andrew as um, as our trades guy. What did you um, feel you took away the most then from that conversation with Mandy? Well, John will tell you he had to edit quite a lot of that particular interview because <laughs> Mandy got quite um, animated and emotional at certain times. I mean, wow. she's been, again, she's been in the trade, I think it was coming up for 30 years, actually, you know. Wow. She'd been in business for a long, long time and it was it was the same, same themes, the same issues, the same problems. And it came down to when she was using specific trades, whether it be carpenters, plumbers, handymen, whatever it was, it was kind of more of, of those type of, of trades people. It was always communication. Always communication, and it was a case of she was getting frustrated that um, the foreman said they'd be there at a certain time and they weren't, or they would um, uh, get to a certain stage of the project and they wouldn't. Of course, things go wrong on projects all the time, or things happen to people all the time, but most of it can be alleviated by simple communication, whatever method that may be. Yeah, Mm -hmm. but it just wasn't happening in her experience over such a long period of time. Continuously, and, and let's face it, and I made a little bit of a joke about it there, but actually, it's quite a serious thing, isn't it? Because if uh, Mandy, it's the book stops with Mandy. Let's face it, and all the, the team and the people that she's bringing together to realise different projects, you know, the client has only got one number to call at the end of it, and that's Mandy. Yeah. So she needs to rely on those specific trades to be there on time and to, well, basically speak to her mm-hmm. to let her know what's going on. And this is the issue. I mean, I've been doing BNI for ten years now. How many times do different trades stand up and ask for a specific introduction to an interior designer? Every week. Because these interior designers are literally the the gatekeepers to so many new business opportunities for them. And done right, which I have seen it done right, it means um, a business um, partnership that lasts for years and years and years and works out for money for both people and makes a company like Mandy's look so good. Absolutely. But 
honestly, guys, if you're asking for interior designers, then just be ready. And I know it starts with the basics, but if there's a problem, communicate. Don't bite off more than you can chew mm -hmm. and just be absolutely upfront in terms of the expectations to the customer or to the actual um, person that's managing the job. But just make sure everything, every conversation that you have is also probably backed up in an email just so you've got a reference point because in a, in a even in a non-heated conversation, it's just it just doesn't matter. People forget. So, you know, that's a, that's a little tip for me is whatever conversation happens, if you're just on your way out, you can literally send an email in the van before you sit go home. Just to clarify, the points we discussed this evening were these are the time frame that we said we'd get stunned by. Mm -hmm. Look forward to catching up with you on site again tomorrow. It just makes the outlook look professional and it just clarifies everything. And if there was a misunderstanding, even in that email, by the time you get home, it could be, no, actually, don't worry about that point. We don't need that anymore, saving you potential costs and heartache. I thought there were there were a couple of other quite interesting facts as well. If, you, if you're going to bring it back to the, the kind of um, awareness, uh, brand awareness from Mandy's company herself, and the marketing that she does it's quite everything is set up quite specifically i think to target the kinds of people who mm -hmm. have that disposable income to hire someone like mandy so you know we didn't unfortunately and probably something we should do more of is show just more of the surroundings of where mandy's office is based mm. which is some spectacular well, fantastic sites. location yeah. wasn't it yeah. yeah you know the actual office itself is amazing it's a beautiful place um and obviously it's, it's you know it's there to impress the types of people who have that kind of money and income to, to be able to use those services, which is something that she's targeted very well as a business. And also as well, placing certain advertising advertisements, being able to be found in certain places that she's talked about mm -hmm. is very specific to her clientele. Yeah. So there's some very clever marketing facets there mm -hmm. going on, which again, I think is certain things that, you know, trades people especially as well can start to think about. Well, we speak about it in another episode of how to get in front of your ideal client. Mm -hmm. And if ever there was a good example, um, both the episode with Mandy and the episode that we did with Gary, those guys are very focused on exactly who they want to get in front of and who they want to sell their products to. Yeah. And the exact examples of how you do that by identifying the people, um, then you know where to target. And it's interesting because you just said about making sure, you know, put something in an email to someone like Mandy afterwards. Part of um, an ideal client um, exercise is also to work out if you are a trade and you're trying to target interior designers, how do they like to be communicated to? Mm. We might like texts, we might like WhatsApps, but other people prefer communication in different methods because they think differently to us, their business is structured differently. So we need to think about how, how they want to be communicated to. And if your communication is lacking, that's part of your brand as well. And we need to identify as part of those exercises, how does this ideal client want to be communicated yeah. they always want something in writing or actually they always want a face-to-face -face, or they always want a phone call working that out even ask them sometimes at the start of a project mandy how do you best prefer that you and i communicate and if she says actually i'm super super busy for the next few months and i'm not gonna be on email a lot i'd be quite happy with whatsapp messages yeah. or whatever you've managed an expectation and that's part of your brand as well so it all it's leads also back. from a business perspective if you do have a client that always wants a face-to-face -face on a Friday at 8 a.m. Mm -hmm. One, you've got to book out that time, but two, yeah. you've got to factor in that cost. And I see it with a lot of trades. A lot of trades get very, very precious about, well, they'll, they'll just have to do it how I do it. And, it. and it can't be like that. We've all got our own systems and processes. Mm -hmm. And for example, the way Mandy's office is set up, she doesn't always action her own emails. She has staff that also yeah. look at the emails. So in, in this respect, if you're sending an email to, to Mandy, you might be sending it to the entire team and informing them exactly what's going on with that specific um, project or that specific problem within a project. So, you know, it's a fantastic point. It's just finding out exactly that key question. How do you want to be communicated to? Mm -hmm. How do you want these updates? How often do you want me to communicate with you? 
Because someone like Mandy, presumably, is a very well-connected lady, right? And like you said, that if you get in with someone like her, not only are you going to be on her projects for long term, but she's going to be recommending you elsewhere. And so if you're doing what you say you're going to do when you say you're going to do it, despite sometimes there might be hiccups, but you can address them correctly as with all um, big projects, she's going to be recommending you to other people because of the great job that you've done. You screw up once with someone that's really well connected as well. You're setting yourself back more than 10 steps mm -hmm. because it, it takes a lot longer to rebuild that damaged brand. 100%. Yeah, I completely agree with that. I think that's, it's, it's a way to build a business and it's a way to, well, destroy a business as well, isn't it? Mm -hmm. The same point. Not, not the consistency not being there. Um, yeah, I, I thought there was a lot of really good points. Mm -hmm. Good. Good. So thanks very much, guys. And uh, thanks to Mandy as well. And we look forward to seeing you on the next podcast. That's all for this time. But don't worry, we'll be back with more soon. Stay tuned for new episodes at marketingsimplified.co.uk.